Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning and being on the phone for 40 minutes this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 302, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This week we're going to again be discussing becoming an expert. Today it's going to be on grills through the 1869 issue. But first, I got four droid press sheets today. I uh, woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I was on the phone at 5.01. I was on the hold for 40 minutes. And uh, when I was done, I am the proud owner of four no-die-cut press sheets somewhere in processing that I'll be getting soon. And Mark, yep. you were uh, there, right, somewhere? Yep, I was also on the phone at 501 and I was on hold for 45 minutes so you probably got ahead of me on the queue <laughs> and I bought two of the of the uh, no die cut press sheets and uh, Scott who isn't on today he was on at five o'clock also and he got the maximum he got all five sheets that you could buy they limited it to five right but they limited it to five uh, as in a combination of both uh, imperfect and perfect press sheets. So if you bought five imperfect, you couldn't buy any of the perforated press sheets. Oh, that's interesting. That, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. How many total press sheets were printed? We uh, think there's going to be about 10,000. Yeah. It's unknown. Yeah. But it's been reported that they're already sold out. Yes. Uh, I got on Facebook, and people who aren't following me on Facebook... Uh, Cash Breakfast on Facebook. Just find me and shoot me over an invite, and I'll uh, make you a friend. Um, at seven o'clock in the morning, people were posting that it was discontinued and not available for sale. That's seven o'clock Pacific. I'm sorry, seven o'clock Pacific. So they so it had sold out in two hours or less. Yeah, two hours. So if I would have slept in, I wouldn't have gotten any, and neither would you. Well, a second thing that uh, since we have been speaking the last five weeks on fake stamps, today a um, lot closed on eBay. It's uh, Canada. You can do a search. This is the uh, description. Canada 1897 
Diamond Jubilee Forgery uh, Never Hinge Complete Set to $5. It has the word forgery right in the title. And it sold for $602. That was bid up. It started at $7. And I will admit that these are pretty good looking forgeries. Um, they look though like they're lithographed. They're definitely not engraved. And they have sort of a little muddy look to them. So if you put them side by side with an original, you might not be fooled. But to me, this is rather amazing that it went for $602 for the set. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, he says forgery right in the description. So if you are if you're just looking at the picture and you're not paying attention to the uh, to the to the descriptor line, um, that's kind of your fault. It's kind of on you. I mean, it it'd be one thing if he hid that information in the description where when you're on the mobile app, it's 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 you know more difficult to, to look at the description but if it's right there in the in in the title yeah it is possible that they are genuine and just completely misdescribed <laughs> yeah, no I've, I've seen more than one i've seen more than one item listed as a forgery on ebay and it was actually the real item yeah when i look at c3a that's my hope <laughs> search for c3a on ebay now and it also is uh, sold as is no return <laughs> Uh, from a fellow in Greece. So uh, this uh, is obviously originating out of a country other than Canada. I'm glad to see that it's kind of not from China either, although it might be from China and just shipped over. But uh, the seller is in Greece, and he's got a hell of a high rating. He's got a rating of 31,000, almost 32,000. So he's been on a long time. But it's just amazing to me that this set sold for $600, clearly marked as forgery. Now, the stamps are not marked as forgery. The right. stamps, they're clean. There's no forgery on the front. There's no forgery on the back. It, if you didn't know what you were looking at, you could confuse these with the original. Yeah. So today we are going to discuss grills. 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 I, I thought you said girls. I could. I prepared for a completely different podcast. Oh. <laughs> are you talking about Weber grills or uh, or uh, propane grills or? Uh, well, I, since you're talking about it, why don't you tell us what a grill is? Well, the grill was invented, the, the patent for the, for the first grills was invented by an employee of the National Banknote Company, Charles Steele. It was an attempt to prevent the reuse of stamps um, that, were, that had already been postmarked. They had had great problems over the past 10 years uh, with red, and, especially with red and black stamps that uh, you could just bleach, bleach, the, uh, bleach the pen cancel out and then just reuse the stamp. So, so when it was proposed to the post office department, they, the, the main reason why it got support was to uh, improve the revenues of uh, the post office department because the stamps couldn't be reused. They are a peculiar item because they, are only, they were only issued between 1867 and 1870. And there are, uh, uh, are uh, grills actually, uh, they sometimes look like, a ch they sort of look like a checkerboard. And they actually, some have points down and some have points up. 
the, the earliest known grills have um, the grills covering the entire stamp, and that's the so-called A grill. And that's uh, Scott number 79, 80, and 81. And you have, uh, you, have a, you have a second grill of which there's only four copies known, a so-called B grill, where the grill measures 18 by, f 18 by 15 millimeters, or 22 by 18 points. And the only copies known come from a cover that was, that was mailed in Texas. But recently, a single stamp sold for over a million dollars from that original cover. And then you have C grills, which measure about 13 to 16 millimeters, or 16 to 17 points by 18 to 21 points. This is also with points up. And that's that's the so-called C grill, or Scott number 83. Okay, so really quick. When you say grill, everybody thinks of straight lines like uh, that are on a steak that you pull off the grill. But that's not the case, is it? No, the grill is actually formed... Um, by a roller that actually, the grill actually breaks the paper fibers and actually forms small little points uh, on either, uh, either going upwards or going downwards. And the idea is that it broke the paper fibers so that the ink would fall into the paper and could not be bleached out. Was that actually a problem? Well, it was a huge problem. It was a huge problem for the previous, since the 1847 issue. There are many. There are many reused, reused uh, uh, stamps that we see here at P at PSC where this, the cancellation has been removed. Oh, we go through that with expertizing all the time, where a lot of people will submit stamps, mint, no gum, and we put it in the VSC machine, and we see that there was actually a pen cancel that had been removed. But that's to defraud collectors. At the time when they were deciding whether to put these grills on, was it actually a problem? The post office department estimated that they were losing over $25,000 a year from the reuse of stamps. And that's when $25,000 was a lot of money. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so um, getting back to the different types of grills, you have then, you have... Uh, you have in the catalog um, grills with points down, which include the D grill, which has got 84 and 85. That measures 15 by 18. That measures 15 points by to eight, by 18 by 19 points, about 12 by 14 millimeters. You have a Z grill, which measures around 11 by 14 uh, millimeters, or 14 to 15 points, or seven by 17 or 18 points. And the key thing about a Z-grill is, is that the, the bosses, the actual ridge, runs horizontally as opposed to the, all the other um, grills with, with points down. They run, uh, they run vertically. If I may, um, when I think of the grills, if people have ever done any woodworking or anything like that, if you get a nail, nails usually have square tips to them. Now imagine like a really super blunt nail. If you pushed that nail into a piece of paper, you would sort of get like an X of a point. It would sort of break the paper, paper fiber in the shape of an X. Now here's something for people to look for and to try to cash in on because they're out there and people find them. They're very popular. I think they catalog about $2,000 versus $55 for the normal stamp. If you see one that isn't an X, 
it's more like an H with the legs and arms of the H sort of flayed out. In other words, it's like an X with a dash in the middle of it. That's going to be a Z grill. They're out there. They're findable. With a magnifying glass, you can see it. If you find these, pick them up. You'll make good money. Okay, well, getting back to the other grills, there's the, the E-grill, which, uh, which measures uh, 14, 14 by 16 to 18 points and is approximately 11 by 13 millimeters. And you have the F-grill, which measures um, 12 by 16 to 18 points and, or 9 by 13 millimeters. Now, we talk about how we, now, there's, so that's the basic, those are the basic um, 1867 uh, grilled issues. So then we're talking about how we determine that, how we determine wh which grill is which. Well, the way that I, I expertise them is I actually count the points. I actually count the points if it's, uh, uh, depending on which, what orientation, if it's an early grill like a uh, Scott number 83, I, I look at it. Um, I look at it upside down from the back, and if it's uh, if it's a uh, if it's one with the points down, I look at it from the face, and I actually count the points. So, for instance, a D grill to me always has to have 15 horizontal point rows of points; otherwise, it's not a D grill. And that's how they listed in the Scott catalog. They not only give the measurements, but they give 15 by 18 or right. whatever the different grills are. Now, as as far as what as far as determining the the whether it's genuine or fake. Hold on, no, no, no. We're doing that a little later. Okay, go ahead. So, Mark, uh, you. Uh, so, Mark, um, measuring the grills. Uh, Albert counts them. You sort of measure them. Yeah, you can you can measure the grills. The uh, the most common on the 1861 issue is the F grill, which is uh, measures nine by thirteen millimeters generally. And uh, it, it is a distinctively skinnier grill than all the other ones that you come across. Um, so those are fairly easy to detect. Um, then you start to get into uh, 11 by 13, 11 by 14. Those are the E and Z grills. But those are very distinctive um, to tell apart because of what you were mentioning before. Uh, and what Albert said is that the Z grill, um, the, uh, uh, the bosses are horizontal uh, versus all the rest of the grills where the embosses are, are vertical. Uh, and then the uh, the D grill uh, 12 by 14 um, is much bigger than the um, than the or noticeably bigger than the 11 by 13, uh, and then you've got the other ones the the A and B would, or or the C and, and B which are uh, which are much longer than normal. Um, the A grill, of course, you know is is over the entire stamp. Um, Just a moment. We're getting some a little bit of echo on you. Uh, can you talk more straight into the microphone? Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, is that working? You're, you're fine now. Yeah? Oh, okay. Not I exactly the, sure I think, what was going I, on. I, well, I think the problem is is that when you're reading, you're facing down rather than actually facing the mic. Yeah. Right. So for me, um, exactly the same thing, you know, you count and everything like that. But they have what's called a precision gauge. And if you don't have one of these, you really should look at adding this as a tool for your expertizing. Uh, they have little templates. And you lay it on top of the grill, and you can see the size, how it matches up. It's 
difficult to measure things, especially with grills, because sometimes they're weak, sometimes they're strong. But if you use the template, I find it a little bit easier than counting or measuring. Uh, find the precision gauge, do a search for them. They sell them on Amazon. They sell them on eBay. Uh, I think they're about $17. So that's how you identify a grill. Now, to detect the grill, uh, especially a light grill, um, some people will say, well, the way to do it is to uh, take a pencil and rub it on a piece of paper uh, and then uh, rub the uh, rub your finger on on where you've written where you've uh, uh, rubbed on the paper to get the graphite under your fingertip, and then lightly run your fingertip over the the grill in order to bring out the points. Um, that works for me sometimes, but what works for me the best is to just put the uh, grilled stamp in watermark fluid, uh, because if you if you uh, if you put a, a layer of watermark fluid over the stamp, the grill kind of pops out. And especially if you're uh, if you use like the back of a black card or something, you can sort of bend the black card to bring out the points even better. And so you've got a window of opportunity to measure the grill um, without uh, uh, you know before the watermark fluid evaporates. Yep. So let's uh, go back and tell people that grills are expensive. They're expensive stamps. They catalog a lot of money. As a matter of fact, one of the most valuable U.S. stamps, I think the most valuable U.S. stamp is uh, a grilled stamp. So if there's this much money in them, if a normal stamp catalog is $45 and a grilled stamp catalog is $225, People are going to want to try to fake this. How do they fake it, and how do we detect it? Well, there's been, there are, most grill most fake grills are very crude. They don't they don't have the appearance of uh, of uh, genuine grills. Genuine grills have have uh, the appearance of having small points, small cr crosses, um, and many many of the counterfeits just look like. Um, um, like just a crosshatch of lines rather than actual points. Yeah, if we can go back just a moment. The grill was actually a plate. And the plate, instead of printing ink on the stamp, it printed divots into the stamp. Yeah, it broke the, it broke the paper fiber, fibers up. So to make a grill forgery, you would have a plate with these little pyramids on it that you would then push into the back of the stamp. Those don't exist. So what do we see where people are trying to fake this? Well, a lot of times they have the wrong structure. As I said, they look like they're just, uh, just a crosshatch of lines. And so they don't have, they don't have the points. Another thing is, is that they're either the vertical lines or the horizontal lines of the points are not vert are not parallel to each other. A lot of, a lot of times, a lot of times they uh, um, they veer off. They're they're not parallel. They're wavy, and so they don't have the correct uh, correct appearance. Uh, the third thing is, is that uh, on some of the values, the color of the stamp is very distinctive. For instance. Uh, the ten cent grills are have a much more distinctive color, and if you uh, they don't come in the uh, they don't come in the early yellow green shade of uh, 
of, uh, for instance, Scott number 68, the Tencent 1861s. And so just by looking at the color of the stamp, you can tell if it has a chance of being genuine or not, for instance. But yes, the, some of the grills, not only the 85A, but a number of the grilled stamps are among the most expensive of American stamps. Yeah, I remember seeing one grill where it kind of looks like a person took a pizza cutter and put little notches on it and then rolled it across the back of the stamp. And it made not little pyramids, but like little slits. And they weren't perfectly straight either. So you looked at it and it was just an immediate, yeah, that's not a real one. Uh, Mark, what kind of uh, fakes have you seen? I've seen uh, fake grills made up of a series of dots, little embossed dots. Um, and uh, and that's something that, uh, that Albert touched on before. If you're looking at a grill and the lines of the grill are not completely parallel to the, to the uh, lines of the paper, uh, in other words, it's off kilter, uh, that's definitely uh, an indication of a fake grill. Oh, yeah, crooked grill. Because, again, this was a plate that they printed on the back of the sheet of paper. Just instead of using ink, they used divots. So it should line up with the paper. It goes for the entire length of the sheet. So if it's crooked, if it's not straight in line, you know, it should look like a checkerboard, like Albert said. And it's not to say that there's not... Uh, errors involved in, in, in making grilled stamps because uh, we have instances where there are uh, split grills. And there are instances where the grilling device was actually applied twice or even maybe three times. So you have double grills and triple grill varieties. Oh, that's a biggie too because a person will, it's a double grill and a person will measure it and it's like an F grill which is relatively narrow but you have two of them and all of a sudden it's wider and they think they have the more rare one, which they still have a rare one because double grills are rare and valuable, but it really th shows it's impossible. It throws off your ability to measure the stamp because the grill, there's actually two of them. Now, one of the one of the best things to use when you uh, expertise grilled stamps is to have a, have some reference or some genuine stamps to compare next to it. That's always helpful. And you get the cheap ones. You go out and get some cheapo three cent grills, and then compare them to the expensive ones. It doesn't cost, you don't have to have a ninety cent grill of the banknotes in order to expertise a 90 cent grill. You can have the cheap one. They are all made by the same grilling device. Yeah, I, I'm thinking uh, 88s and 94s are especially inexpensive um, so that you can get examples that are really sharp, with really sharp grills um, that, and to use as your reference. Now, Albert, we were discussing earlier, let's bring it up for the people. Um, the 1869 no grills. That that by that by catalog definition must be a stamp that has original gum because that's the only way we can tell that the stamp has actually not been grilled. Um, the couple of stamps that exist with old certificates or with a certificate current certificate that has no gum, um, if you research their background, they all were originally submitted years ago with original gum. Usually the original gum on most of these no-gum issues is pretty horrible, pretty dark, and uh, 
and thick and sometimes with um, 10 or 20 hinge remnants on it. <laughs> um, but um, we can't tell if his stamp is no gum whether it was really printed without a grill. And we get many here at PSE um, of the three centers, uh, the th three cent train stamp, uh, mm -hmm. number 114. So that's an instance where the presence of the grill is actually indicates the cheaper version. Yeah. So it uh, so people are motivated to press out the grill, or not even press it out. You can soak a stamp that has a light grill, and the grill will disappear. And most stamps, when they're removed from cover, are soaked off the cover, and so they get that soaking normally. So all of a sudden. You know, a hundred years later, a person goes, hey, look at this. This stamp has no grill. It's like, it might, but more realistically, it just had the grill points soaked out. The, pie, uh, the paper fiber was wetted and the grill disappeared and you can't see it. And we can't expertise a used stamp with no gum. Because oh, we can't expertise a stamp with no gum because we don't know if it originally had gum or not. It could be pressed out. It could be soaked out. There's many, many ways to remove a grill. On that stamp, it's valuable to remove the grill if you want to try to, I don't know how you would cheat somebody out of $15,000 because if you're spending that much money, you better get a certificate on the stamp. But uh, the original gum on the back will show the remnants of a grill. And if there's no gum on the back, then there's no way to tell if a grill was ever there or not. And like I said, we get these all the time here where they say, you can't see the grill. And we write back and say, you are correct. You cannot see the grill. But there was probably one there. Do you want to discuss design size? Sure. Go for it. Well, on the um, on the 1869 issue, uh, the lower values, um, there's a difference in design size between the stamps that uh, were issued without the grill and the stamps that were issued with the grill. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way of being able to tell the difference. Um, if you you know if you suspect that you have uh, the the genuine article and doesn't have any gum, at least you can measure the design size. Right, and this is for the 1869 issue. Um, and if there is no gum and there is no grill and it's the special printing, which it was a special printing, you actually have a more valuable stamp anyway. It's just not the $14,000 stamp. It's the, I don't know, what is a catalog? I think a catalog is about 1000 bucks. Which value are we talking about? The three cent. Well, the three cent reissue cat's five thousand dollars. Well, five thousand. Oh well, I'm way off. The three cent without gum. The three cent without grill, but with original gum cat's thirteen thousand dollars. Okay, and uh, but the but the color and the impression are totally different. Yeah, the, the special printings are a much more vibrant color. As a matter of fact, the uh, three center is blue. It's just blue. What you think of blue? Whereas the uh, three cent grilled issue is ultramarine, which is a grayish blue. 
Now, on the 90-cent stamp, the, the 122A without grill original gum, that's a, that stamp actually comes in a slightly different color. It's a more crimson shade, mm -hmm. but it's totally different than the color that's on the special printing, the Scott 132. And the nine, uh, the 12 center and the 10 center are very different. The one center has several of them, but is very different. Okay, so the $99 question. Let us assume that you have a stamp that has a very high catalog value, you know, $1,000. Uh, what's one of the grills that catalog $1,000? Oh, how about... Uh Scott number ninety-five, the uh, the uh, F five cent F grill that has eight fifty, eight hundred fifty dollars used. Eight hundred and fifty dollars, and it has a fake grill, but it's a good space filler. What do you think something like that would sell for? Um, not on eBay because we already showed that uh, forged stuff on eBay sells for way more than it should. But what would you expect a forged space filler to sell for? Well, I think it reverts back to the, what it was originally made of, which would be a Scott number 76. So a Scott number 76 catalogs um, catalogs $125. Yeah, but it's point. really only worth about $25. Yeah, so I would think this might be worth, you know, $50. $50? So it would actually get a premium? See, I would think as a space As a space filler. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think the but the problem is is that you're filling a space with a stamp that you already have that uh, that looks exactly like it. So, what's the value of having a space filler, um, you know, a grilled space filler, um, when the uh, the ungrilled stamp you can have a nice. You can just misidentify and stick it in the slot anyway. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on a, a million dollar stamp collection. Where if you don't care if they're identified properly, <laughs> well, I, I would think that uh, that the a space filler um, fake grill stamp would be more valuable if people collected grills, uh, grilled stamps by mounting them upside down, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, from the from the back to show the grill. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that so if you can't see the grill, yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no value to the space filler. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, thousand dollar, eight hundred and fifty dollar catalog value, uh, less than fifty dollars, let's say. So, again, you got to watch out because there's a lot of money to lose on this. Anything else? Well, I think anybody who's collecting the more valuable grilled stamps would be behoove themselves of getting stamps that have certificates of authenticity. I actually advise people when they have grilled stamps and they want to sell them on eBay, I tell them, because most of the certificates are going to be in the $30 range, and if it's a really valuable one, maybe it's like $50 for the certificate. They don't sell unless they have a certificate. So you literally have an uncertified stamp that is incredibly difficult to sell. Maybe, you know, you value it at valueless because you will never sell it versus buying with the, one with a certificate. And now you can actually buy it or sell it. You can have, buyers will actually seek it out. And so that's one of the things, if you're not an expert on these and, there are very few experts on these. 
Yeah, you know, novice, we're lucky we have a couple of them here at the table. Yeah, and, and novice collectors typically won't won't collect grilled stamps. Yeah, because yeah. because they already have a stamp that looks like it. Whereas it, an advanced collector, they're going to say, "Okay, well, I'm going to start concentrating on grills," but they want to make sure they don't get taken. And so, it's easy to get taken. Right. So they they want to see a certificate with the stamp. Yep. Well, one other thing I'd like to point out is that uh, uh, grilled stamps, you can find grilled stamps used on, on covers all the time, sometimes uh, where the dealer does not know what he's looking at. Oh, what yeah. What you have to do is you have to hold the stamp at an angle and let the light f f uh, run across the face of the stamp and then kind of uh, flip it up and down and let the light move up and down. And if you see points there, then you'll know that the stamp is grilled. There are a lot of uh, dollar boxes out there which have three-cent banknotes in them. And I always go through them and hold them up to the light because, you know, a 136 catalog's 32 bucks. A 136A, which is the iGrill, they had two different grills. And we'll, we'll discuss uh, the later ba uh, banknote grills in a, another uh, podcast, but... The 136 catalog's 3250, and the 136A is like a hundred dollars, and I don't even know what they catalog for on cover. With a line, uh, it's a line, yeah. <laughs> so, um, knowing to look for these grills really pays off when you're going through dollar lots, picking out hundred dollar stamps. Yeah, that, that goes back to the tools that you want to have with you when you're when you're looking at stamps, especially at a stamp show where the uh, where the lighting is is so terrible. They call it dealer lighting. <laughs> um, the uh, you, you want to have a nice, powerful uh, flashlight. Um, I personally like uh, uh, one called the UV Beast that sells on Amazon because it has a very powerful white light, but it also uh, with the click you can uh, you have ultraviolet as well. Um, no. They should definitely, you know, send us, you know, uh, samples. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we'll start mentioning them, right? But to have that, uh, have that flashlight, and then uh, shine the light obliquely over over the stamp or over the cover, uh, you, you know, with that side lighting, you can uh, very easily pick out the ridges on the stamps, yep. and also detect uh, um, detect any kind of creases. Uh, that certainly help as well. Well, I have a magnifying loop. And my magnifying loop has a built-in light to it, so I can use that light sort of as a uh, mag or a uh, flashlight also, and hold it obliquely to the stamp. And that's not how I actually do it. How I actually do it is I just hold them up to the fluorescent crappy light <laughs> at the stamp shows. But you know, you pop it up, you look at it, you move on. And also, you, you sort of know that uh, if it's canceled after 1875 then the chances of it having a grill are kind of zero. So you want to look at for like 1873, 1874 issues. Because a lot of times the cancel will tell you uh, whether it has a chance of being a grilled issue. Yep, there are plenty of discoveries to make. There are lots of them. And hopefully that's why you listen to the podcast. We need your help. 
Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.